everybody. Thanks for joining us today on episode number 259 of the Real Life Runners podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about the different types of runs that you need to be incorporating into your training and why each of them is important for you to improve as a runner. So many runners just go out and run without a plan or structure, and they end up doing most of their runs at an effort level about five to six out of 10, that moderate effort. This can lead to a lack of progress, decreased motivation, fatigue, and even injury. Now, there is an entire method to structuring a training plan that we teach inside the Real Life Runners Training Academy, but today we want to help you understand the importance of incorporating different types of runs into your training. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so the three different types of runs. There's a ton of different types, but today we're focusing in on three key aspects before we dive into like any sort of, we don't need to get into the weeds today. Let's let's kind of simplify (laughs) this thing down a little bit. Yeah, we're staying out of the Everglades today because the Everglades is a hot swampy mess in the summertime here. Hot swampy mess all the time, isn't it? I know, but especially in June. I mean, today's actually, actually today's the summer solstice. It's the longest day of the year. It is. Yeah. First day of summer. First day of summer. So yeah, there are there's so many details and so much nuance to all of this. And that's why, you know, inside the real life runner training Academy, we do have an entire step-by-step process that we teach on how to structure a training plan. We talk about all the different effort levels, all the different types of runs that you can do, but today we really want to boil it down to three of the most important kind of, we like to think of as like the base, the core that every runner should be incorporating into their plan pretty much at all times. Right. And depending on, your goal, your experience, um, and what's going on in your, your life and in your running, you're going to want to incorporate these things in different ratios. Um, but they need to be included pretty much at all, all times. Yeah. Almost regardless of what it is that you're racing for, you're going to hit these three efforts. And as you pointed out in, in the intro, most people don't hit these efforts. They head out and they run moderate intensity all the time. And, you know, you've pointed out that sometimes it's like a little bit faster and sometimes it's a little bit shorter. I'd argue that most of the time people, if they're not feeling great that day, just feel more tired by the end of the run, but they just cut the run a little bit shorter because they're just more tired from the day before. That's possible. Sometimes people go a little bit faster, a little bit slower, but they're like, roughly they're in gray areas of level five. And sometimes everyone's just like, yeah, no, no, it's always level five. Sometimes I feel good. And I go for a little bit longer. Sometimes I don't feel good. I cut it a little bit shorter, but it's just always medium, which well, it's, it's not a great way to train. Well, and you know, maybe sometimes it's a level four, sometimes it's a level six, right? Like sometimes it's a little bit like there usually is a range, There's but, a wiggle room. but it tends to fall into that moderate, like that middle of the spectrum. When you're talking about effort level on a scale of one to 10, most runners, when they go out, they're falling somewhere in the middle, right? So for some people, you know, we like to say it's around a five or six, because that's really honestly what we've heard from the most people. Like I ask runners this question a lot, like how hard did your run feel today? And that's often what I hear the most of, like some people say level seven, some people, um, not many people, like unless they know that their runs are supposed to be easy, right? Like, unless they've heard this concept before, not many runners will talk about being much less than like a four out of 10, I would say. That's 
pretty good synopsis. Yeah. yeah. I think also that that's kind of how most people judge their overall existence too. How was your day? How, how difficult was your day? This is roughly a six. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we do tend to kind of migrate towards the middle, right? Like the middle is the bell curve for a reason. Right. But everybody wants to think that they're doing just slightly above average. So it was about a six out of 10 intensity today. Unless they want you to feel bad for them. Yeah. Oh God, it was a brutal day. <laughs> it was a nine. It yeah. was, a, it was a 12. A 12. 12 out of 10, but like, okay, so let's, let's like start to dig in here today because yes, that is like one of the main mistakes that we see most runners making is, you know, going out and doing all of their runs at that same intensity level. They're going out and they're running at the same effort level, maybe even the same distance for all of their runs. And then they get upset because they're not making improvement or they're not feeling good or they're lacking motivation. Right. So today we want to tell you that a, you need to be doing your runs at different intensity levels throughout the week. Okay. Not your, your run should not all be at the same effort level. And then we're going to help you understand what these different effort levels are and understand kind of what ratio you want. You might want to start incorporating these things into your training and uh, what to do from there. So let's start out with the first one. As I say, before we get there, I want to say there are some people that are going out at a medium intensity mm-hmm. and they love their running existence this episode might not be for them. Okay. Cause there are certainly people that they don't necessarily race. They're out there. It's, it's a relaxing, enjoyable experience. They, they enjoy the pace. They enjoy the loop that they go on. Maybe they have like a friend that they do this with mm-hmm. that's their run and that's fine. Well, I mean, if you're happy with your running, then okay, fine. But if you want to improve, like, this is why we're saying, you know, if you're having issues like I'm not feeling motivated. I'm not making progress and I want to make progress. I'm feeling tired all the time. I'm burned out. You know, I'm getting injured or I'm having these like aches or pains pop up. That's why we really want to bring all of this to your awareness and your attention. I would argue that even if you are happy with your running right now, that you should still take this and at least be open to this idea. You know, I do think that like maybe right now everything's okay, but I do think that if you go out there and every run is at a moderate level, it's going to catch up to you eventually. Like it's going to be aches and pains that show up a couple months from now or a couple years from now, or it's going to be lack of progress at some point in time. Like maybe you are new to running and you're progressing and you're going out and pushing this way. But I'm here to tell you that will stop. Okay. Like if <laughs> eventually you, that plateau eventually, is coming. Yeah. Eventually you will plateau. Like if you're going out and just running at a moderate pace, moderate effort all the time, there's going to come a point where you're going to stop making progress. Okay. And so I would really encourage everyone to be open to the information on this podcast, regardless if you are happy in your running right now or not, at least just be open to the idea. Like you can take this information and decide, yeah, I don't want to follow that. Like I'm going to go out and do my moderate run and that's totally fine, but at least um, be open to it. Excellent. All right. So the first area that we're looking at is easy running. And when you say easy running, we're talking about an actual level two out of 10 on, on the intensity scale. Like you said, most people are running like a five or six. So, so wait, let's roll, let's back up and just explain effort levels real quick. Okay just in case anybody's new to the podcast, right? So, okay. If you're new to the podcast, we like to talk about effort level training here. And so by this, we basically are using what's called the rating of perceived exertion scale or the RPE, um, the modified version. So on a scale of one to 10, how hard did your run feel? And only you can determine that, right? Like was it one is super easy. 10 is super hard. And so on that scale of one to 10, approximately how hard did your run feel today? Okay. So when we're talking about like a level two, 
two, a level five, a level eight, that's what we're referring to. We're not referring to a specific pace. Okay. Like everybody's paces that are associated with those different effort levels are different. And even you, like your pace on a hot day, that's 95 degrees and sunny is going to be different. Like your L2 pace is going to be different than it is when it's 50 degrees and cool out. Okay. So like it changes based on a lot of different factors. Your L2 pace on a super hilly run is going to be a little bit different. Your L2 uphill is different than your L2 downhill. Exactly. Your L2 at the start of a long run and your L2 at the end of the long run those are not going to be exactly the same either. There's there's benefits of trying to maintain a a pace on that versus an effort on that too. Exactly. But today we're really talking more in effort levels and, you know, not so much in like exact pace ranges. Excellent. Okay. So when we're talking two out of 10, that's not like a little bit less than what you might be used to. Like if you would generally categorize, categorize yourself as one of those people that like, you're like, "Yeah, yeah, like five or six seems like my normal thing. Taking it down a notch is not two. taking it down multiple notches is going to bring that to two. Like Mm -hmm. you really have to like pull on the dimmer switch there and be like, okay, so maybe I need to turn the light off. And then I just barely turn the dimmer on. That's the effort level that we're going for here. Right. It's a two out of 10, not I'll bring it back to a four Mm -hmm. further. Nope. That's still a three further. Okay. There's your two. Yeah. And this is where a lot of runners get it wrong. Like a lot of times, most runners that we see, like we just talked about, like actually run too hard all the time. And a lot of people don't understand what easy running actually feels like. And for a lot of runners, this is actually difficult for them to pull themselves back to a level two. Yeah. It's mentally difficult because there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. that come up here when you try and slow down. You're like, ah, I'm just, I'm trying to get through my run. So if I slow down, it's going to take me longer to cover whatever distance, or I don't feel fast in the first place. I don't want to run even slower than Mm -hmm. I'm currently running. So I don't like this whole idea at all. Yeah. I'm already a slow runner. Right. So I don't want to run even slower. Right. Right. Because when people want to improve as runners, they want to get faster. That's just what we do. And so you have us coming in and saying, you need to run easier. You need to run slower, slow down to run fast. And people are like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Right. Um, and this is, I think, kind of been ingrained in us from the time when we were younger and playing sports and seeing motivational posters and all these things that talk about, you know, pushing harder and no pain, no gain. And these things that we believe make us better. We believe that if we want to run faster, we just have to push harder. And what we're coming in is and telling you is that it's actually the opposite of that, that most of your runs actually need to be performed at an easy level, which we're about to talk about. But Um, so yeah, we do see most runners kind of gravitate naturally to that level five, to pushing too hard because they think that that's going to actually make them faster. But unfortunately what ends up happening is that they end up overtraining. They end up pushing too hard all the time, which leads to them just feeling tired a lot, a lot of fatigue, even to the point of burnout. Um, a lot of runners, when you're pushing that hard on all of your runs, it doesn't feel good, right? Like, cause you're, it requires a lot more focus. It requires more, um, out of you. And so Mm -hmm. it just doesn't feel good. It's not as enjoyable. So a lot of runners start to lose motivation. They don't like running. I know I used to hate running. And so, and that was one of the reasons because I had no idea what easy running is. The first time I heard this concept from you, my mind was blown. I didn't even understand what was going on. Um, but that's what happens, right? When you don't understand how to run easy, how to actually run easy, it can lead to all of these things. Plus 
the worst case scenario that none of us want to jump into, which is injury, right? When you're pushing too hard all the time, you're stressing your tissues and you're not allowing appropriate recovery in most circumstances, which can lead to those aches is those aches and pains and injuries that pop up. Yeah. I mean, you point out like the, the biggest thing that could come up here is your injury, but I think before we get to that is the, the mental breakdown that happens yeah. where you've lost all joy in running. If it's not fun anymore, you're going to stop doing it. Yeah. Like you can try and like grit through for a little while and be like, no, 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 I, I, I'm supposed to be going out and doing this for my health. But day upon day, if it's not fun and it's, it's super uncomfortable, eventually you're going to try and find some other way to, you know, enhance your health. Like you'll find a different exercise than running because running is just brutal. Yeah. Okay. So what does easy running level two actually feel like? Like, how do we know that we're doing easy running? Yeah. So essentially it should feel easy. Okay. So there's a couple of ways that we can measure our intensity level. Number one is how your breathing feels. Okay. So when you are running at a level two pace, your breathing should feel relaxed and not labored. You should not feel like you're gasping for air. You should not feel like you're really even trying to breathe that hard. You should feel like, you know, Kevin and I are just sitting here having a conversation. Obviously, you, when you're running, it's going to be a little bit more than this. But this but, is the kind of conversation you essentially want to be able to have. Right. Like you want a normal. It might be a little bit more breathy. Sure. <laughs> but you're carrying on like easy, full right. converse, full sentences back and mm-hmm. forth. It's not one person finishes and then you have to like pause and catch your breath and be like, okay. Now I got, now I'm going to have to speak something like yeah. you can have a normal, friendly, like relaxed conversation. Back and, and forth. Yeah. And you could tell a story too, right? Yes, like that's a I good way of looking at it. This is a good way. Like when my friends and I run together, it's just nonstop talking. Cause I love it. And, um, we just tell each other stories about what's been happening, you know, like what our kids did, like what our husbands did or didn't do. I mean, I don't know, uh-huh. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but I, you know, that's really what it, what you want it to feel like in a level two, you want, if it's, I call it the talk test, right? So you can maintain a conversation. You can speak in complete sentences. you obviously have to pause now and then to take a breath, just like I am. Like I can't just continuously talk without taking a breath. So you're going to want to be breathing normally, but your breathing should feel relaxed and not labored. It depends on the topic of the, of the podcast of whether you can just talk without taking a breath sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we're just, we're going, sometimes we're going and depends on who you're talking to as well. Like if you're having a conversation with a friend, like we joke that like one of my friends, we can't talk about politics with her because it just like revs her up. And all of a sudden we're going like 30 seconds faster than we were like, you know, a mile ago. You're only going to be able to hold on to that for so long because eventually you're not gonna be able to maintain that conversation. Exactly. So there's certain topics we just don't address because it just ends up like bringing up too many emotions and going too fast. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. So yeah, you get the talk test. Um, if you don't have like a group of people that you're with, um, I actually prefer this one when I don't have a group of people I'm with and I'm running with, that's when I break out the singing test because no one wants to be around me when I'm actually singing. Ask our girls. Um, but they'll confirm if you're off by yourself and you try and actually try and sing a couple lines of songs, maybe you're, you got music going in your headphones, try and sing along. If you can actually sing along, you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to a podcast and they're making jokes and you find yourself laughing on a regular basis and it doesn't immediately lead to a side stitch <gasps> or you having to like stop and walk, right. you're probably doing just fine. Exactly. Okay. So that's, how you know if you're at a level two. All right. Now the benefits of level two are massive. Okay. So the biggest thing about L2 
is that it helps to build your aerobic capacity. And that's a big umbrella. I know. And that's why we're going to go into a little bit more details right now, because obviously a lot of runner, a lot of you already know that running is an aerobic activity. So there's two main types of activity in that, you know, that we use or that we put our bodies through one is aerobic and one is anaerobic and aerobic activities require oxygen for us to utilize energy and convert energy from one form to another. Okay. Is that a, a pretty simplified way of saying it? Yes. Okay. So running is an aerobic activity. That's basically how we, you know, build up our lung capacity, our heart rate, the blood flow, all these benefits of aerobic activities. Now, some of the other benefits of aerobic activities that you may or may not know about are that it, it, it actually increases the number of mitochondria that, that is present in your cells. Okay? Yes, that's one of them. And mitochondria are important because those are like the little powerhouses of the cells. I like to think of them as like the little nuclear power plants, which then allow your cells to convert energy more efficiently. Okay. So basically when you take food in your body goes through a process to convert that food into energy. So if you have more mitochondria, you can do, there's more little powerhouses doing that job to convert that food into energy. So you're going to become more efficient at that. And you're going to have more energy available. Right. So you can actually take whatever fuel you have. You have more things that can turn that fuel into actual usable energy within your body. So that's one of them. Um, but there's three major things that are happening when you're trying to improve your aerobic capacity. One is how many mitochondria do you have that can convert the energy? Uh, two, how much oxygen can you actually bring to the mitochondria, which means how many red blood cells do you have? you get more by running at an easy pace. Mm -hmm. Your body will literally just create more red blood cells. Yep. So you're like, ah, oh, this person needs a whole lot more oxygen mm -hmm. flowing through their body. And you can't just flow oxygen. You have to flow it on red in on attached to red blood cells to <laughs> <laughs> so try and simplify it. Yep. Um, and then the third one is, um, how can the red blood cells get from point A to point B from your lungs to your working muscles, which is through, you know, capillary action is essentially once the red blood cells get from lungs to legs, then they need to get into like all of the little intricate parts of your muscles, which is this tiny little network of blood vessels, capillaries that actually let the oxygenated blood get directly to the muscles. Exactly. So when you're running at an L2 pace, you actually build new capillary networks. So those are like, like Kevin said, those are the small blood vessels that take the blood from the bigger blood vessels and actually take it out into all of the individual muscle fibers and areas in your body. And so if you have more of those networks, you're going to be able to get more blood, more oxygen carrying blood to those muscles, working muscles more efficiently, more quickly so that your muscles don't fatigue as quickly. Okay. So if you have improved blood flow, you're going to be able to have improved endurance because your blood is going to bring more oxygen into your muscles and into the cells and everything to convert that energy. Excellent. All right. So when are we doing easy runs? Um, most of the time. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> like all the time, all the time. <laughs> right. So most of your running should be performed at the L2 level. So we like to use what's called the 80, 20 rule, which means 80% of your runs should be performed at an L2 and only 20% of your runs should be performed at higher intensity levels. All right. So what type of day are we heading off on an easy run? Uh, is it the day before a hard day? That should be easy. Is it the day after a hard day? Easy, long run, 
easy. Any run that's not actually specifically designed to be part of your 20% speed session should be easy. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't then start sliding into the gray area of, eh, I feel okay. I guess today's a medium run. If it's not supposed to be a harder effort, then it should stay in the easy zone. I think that's, even once people start getting onto a plan, Mm -hmm. they're like, but I feel good today. So I'm going to push a little bit harder. Nope. Still an easy run. Keep it at an L2. Don't do that unless you want to flip your days around, right? Like if you're feeling really good, and this is what we kind of, we teach our um, athletes inside the real life runners training Academy. Like if you go out one day and you're feeling really good and you want to do some speed work, but today was an easy run and your speed work is not till tomorrow, you can swap things around as long as there are certain criteria that are met. Like you don't want to put two hard runs back to back. You don't want to put a hard run and a long run back to back. Like there's ways that you can swap things around to make it work for you, but you have to also make sure you keep in mind the rest of your training schedule and the rest of your week so that you're not messing up other runs in that week by pushing too hard today. And you don't just want to keep blowing off easy runs because you feel good. Like that's great that you feel good. Now continue going off on an easy run and building all of those phenomenal benefits that you get from going at an easy pace and eliminate some of the like challenges that come from going at the hard pace Mm -hmm. where you're getting actually more wear and tear and beat down on your body. Just enjoy the easier run. Mm -hmm. Enjoy not kind of breaking down your body, breaking down your body mentally and physically and and just go out and reap the benefits of that gain some mitochondria yeah because you know how you're gonna keep feeling good on those runs <laughs> easy runs easy runs yeah like you probably feel good because you've actually been allowing yourself to slow down and run easier like people don't understand this when they go out and they're like oh every run is a grind I'm just feeling so exhausted I'm just wiped out all the time you're not running easy enough okay like if you start to actually slow down and run easy, your runs start feeling so much better. Not just the ones that you're running, but the next one and the one after that, right? Because you're not so tired and your body is actually allowing, you're actually giving your body time to recover. Yes. A sign that you're probably not going easy enough on your easy days is if you've ever thought to yourself, like I'm, I'm doing like 25 miles a week, but I've got a marathon coming over something like that. And I don't see how I could possibly go from 25 miles a week to like 35 or 40 miles a week. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. You're exhausted because you're going too hard on those days. Yeah. 25 miles a week is not enough to just completely wipe you out seven out of seven days. In all likelihood, you're pushing too hard on the vast majority of those days. Mm -hmm. If you slow it down, it's probably not going to be that hard for you to increase mileage if you're going for a longer distance race. Yeah. So I like to think of this kind of like a crowded highway. Like if you are in an area, I don't know where you guys live, but down here in South Florida, we have had a massive influx of people. Like there are so many people that have moved to Florida in the last two years um, because Florida stayed open, you know, for while a lot of states were shutting down. And so we just have this massive influx of people now. And there is construction everywhere because the traffic was getting so bad. And so when you have like a crowded highway or crowded roadways, because there's too many cars for like, say you have a, a three lane highway, they know they need to expand that to five lanes temporarily. That's going to slow things down, right? Construction. When you have like cl- lanes are, that are closed and construction, that's temporarily going to slow things down even more, but 
you know that that's because they're widening the road. They're adding two additional lanes. So in six months or a year, whenever they finish that construction, if they actually ever finish construction, because I don't know, like it feels like things are constantly under construction we around just us. only have construction. <laughs> it's only construction. But in theory, right, once they finally widen that highway in the future, there's going to be massive improvements in the speed of your travel because now you have five lanes where the only where there used to only be three. And so that's really what happens with easy running. Like by you slowing down now, you're building those capillary networks. You're building those mitochondria. You're building your body's aerobic capacity, the lung capacity, your heart, the strength of your heart to actually pump blood out to your body. Like you're increasing the number of blood cells. You're doing all of these things so that in the future, when you want to run faster or during your speed sessions, when you want to run faster, you're going to be able to do that. All right. Excellent. So I think that's a pretty good synopsis of level two running from all possible angles. And if you guys have any questions on this, always feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. We're at real life runners over on Instagram. Um, and if you don't follow us already, or even if you do, I would love for you to send me a message and let me know what about this episode you, you really enjoyed. All right. The next area is an interesting one, especially when we get new people onto our training team, yeah. because the next section is level five and it's a super important section. I love level five workouts myself. There were some of my favorites, but we get a lot of people that come into the team and that's all they've been doing. Mm -hmm. So whereas level five is super important to train for lots of different length races, 5k, half marathon, marathon, whatever it is, level five yeah. has a great there's a great purpose to it. A lot of people come in and they've almost maxed out all of the benefits from this almost too far that they're doing so much L5 that one, they're ignoring benefits of other zones, but two, they're, they're not gaining the benefits from this because they pretty much peaked them because they, they haven't built up the level two benefits. So they can't even gain all the benefits from five. Right. Because a lot of times this is where most people run most of their runs at this level five. When in reality, this should actually be a very small amount of your training that's included in the 20%. Like going back to that 80-20 rule, 80% at level two, 20% everything else. Right? <laughs> like So the L5 should be a portion of that 20%. So maybe for you, depending on what distance of a race you're training for, maybe that's only 5%, maybe it's 10%, right? It doesn't matter. Um, I'm sure I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It, it does matter what you're training for, but it's still a part of that smaller percentage. And what happens when people are running too much level five, essentially, like Kevin just said, they end up tired, overtrained, decreased motivation. They get injured more easily, all of those things. But on the other hand, then there's people that aren't doing enough of this, right? There are people that come in and they understand the benefits of level two, or maybe they're <laughs> pu pushing more at like a level three, four, right? Yep. And they're not pushing up into that like five, six range what happens is there's a lack of progress, right? People that will start to listen to our podcast or maybe, ch you know, um, find one of my reels on Instagram or something where I'm talking, talking about, the, about benefit of L2. the benefits of easy running. They, they start easy running. They're like, Oh my God, easy running is amazing. I love easy running. And then they just run all of their runs at L2. You still need to incorporate some level five. Okay. Yep. Because if you don't incorporate level five, then essentially you stop making progress at some point and you can start to have decreased physical and mental strength, especially mental, because I believe for me, especially mental strength is one of the big things that gets built at this level five. Yeah. Level five, you have a great term for running at level five. It is uncomfortably comfortable. 
or comfortably com- uncomfortable. I think it's comfortably uncomfortable. It's it's somewhere in that middle range where you're like, I would rather be going slower than this, mm-hmm. but I could sustain this if I needed to. For a little like, bit longer. It's I don't have to stop and walk right now. Yeah. Like I could keep this going. Like level five, as you build up your endurance and you're able to run further and further, level five starts being this middle ground. It's somewhere between like a 10K race pace and a half marathon race pace, depending on you know how fast you run over those two distances. But it's somewhere in the middle. It's something that you could sustain for a while. Right. It just doesn't feel great while you're doing it, mm-hmm. but you could do it. Right. So how do you know if you're at a level five? Number one, like like Kevin said, it should be comfortably uncomfortable or moderately uncomfortable, like not to the point where you like need to stop, right? Because you're out of breath. Like you could keep going. You can hold this for a while longer. You just don't really want to, <laughs> right? Cause it doesn't feel great. It requires focus for you to maintain. So going back to your breathing, your breathing is slightly more labored, but it's still under control, right? You're not like, um, panting. You're not like trying to like suck wind or anything like that. It's just you're, you're breathing. You need focus to breathe a little bit more, but you still feel in control of your breathing. Yeah. So you could have a conversation. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't be quite the smoothest of conversations. Right. So it would be more like short phrases. When we go back to our talk tests, you're going to have short phrases versus those complete sentences and storytelling. Like we were mentioning an L2. Yeah. You're, you're, you're talking because you're trying to do anything to distract yourself from the intensity that you're going, (laughs) but you're not having a full conversation. You're definitely not storytelling at this. Mm -hmm. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, if I could ask a question, then they'll have to talk for a little while. And then I can try and gain my breathing again. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that, and it goes back and forth in just short little phrases. Yeah. That's why I love running with certain people in my running group, because they'll talk nonstop kind of no matter what pace we're doing, right? Like, and because there are some of them that are just so well-trained that run like marathons. Like I've got many people, and I shouldn't say many, but several women in the group that I run in that are doing like the 50 state challenge, you know, where they're Mm -hmm. running a marathon. So they're marathon in every state. So they are constantly training for a marathon. You know, they do multiple marathons per year and they can just talk like no matter how many miles you're running, which is amazing. So What are the benefits of L5, of this tempo, run, pacing, and effort level? Um, Number one, it helps to improve what's called your lactate threshold. So essentially, to try to simplify this and correct me or, you know, try to pull me back in if I get too scientific here. Go for it. When you exert energy, when you're out there working out, essentially there are byproducts of energy, um, production. Yep. Okay. So your, your body's producing energy and then there are, they're essentially waste products and these waste products build up in your body. If you are exercising at a high enough intensity where producing the byproducts and cleaning up the byproducts are not matched up, right? Like if the, if you're producing more than your body's able to clean up at at the same time, Mm -hmm. then you're getting an excess of these byproducts. Okay. And one of them is lactate. So we all have this lactate threshold, which kind of feels like that burning sensation in our muscles, like when lactate starts to build up. And so when you are doing tempo runs in this L5 area, you're essentially improving your lactate threshold. And so essentially what that's doing is increasing your body's ability to feel that uncomfortable physical sensation of the brain and keep going. Yeah, it also improves 
um, when, two things, because you pointed out that that threshold level comes when the amount of byproducts that you're making is not quite in balance with the amount of byproducts that you're able to actually deal with. All right, process. Like, like essentially you've got like a garbage cleanup crew that's like, oh, we've got lactate, let's do something with this mm -hmm. and make it go away. And part of it is it can actually use it and reuse it as a different form of fuel. So your body does two things. One, it starts producing a lower amount of lactate. Mm -hmm. And two, it starts being better at cleaning up what you've produced in a, in a much more efficient manner. Right. And those two things allow your threshold level, the, the speed that you can run and still maintain that balance of making byproducts and cleaning byproducts, you start being able to run at a faster pace, even though you're still at what's considered the threshold inside your body. Right. Because your body becomes more efficient at producing energy. So you don't produce as many of those byproducts. Yep. And when you do, your body knows how to clean them up faster. Right. But if you don't actually enjoy all the L2 and build up a whole bunch of mitochondria and allow your body to just start pushing oxygenated blood throughout your body really fast, it's hard to lift your threshold level mm -hmm. because you're not able to uh, produce the energy quite as efficiently. Right. You might be starting to get pretty good at the cleanup stuff, but you're not ever going to reach your good full potential if you're not actually getting the benefits of L2. So you can try and just be like, I'm going to run L5 all the time. And you get really good at the cleanup crew, but you don't get quite as good at the efficiency of I'm not producing as many byproducts. Right. Because your body re requires oxygen to oxidize fat and oxidize certain energies and convert certain forms of energy to another. So you get that oxygen in when you're running at L2, when you can breathe comfortably, you get more oxygen in, that oxygen goes in and your body can actually utilize that to make its energy systems more efficient. All right. So that's the very sciencey chemicals going on in your body, not quite into super detail that hopefully people didn't skip through that. Um, <laughs> but there's other benefits and some of these other benefits are super huge. They're the mental benefits. Yeah. If you've ever run a race, you reach a point in the race where you're just like, and I'm going to slow down now. I want Stop. <laughs> with like, I would like to be done is the finish line here. <laughs> or if it's not, I'm certainly going to start slowing down, but you don't have to. Yeah. Like you could push through that uncomfortableness, but if you've never practiced running in a state of somewhat uncomfortable, moderately uncomfortable, getting towards fairly uncomfortable, mm -hmm. if you've never practiced that, when it shows up in the race, you're much more likely to freak out over it. Your body's going to be like, I don't know what this discomfort is. And instead, Instead of responding to it as a challenge where it's going to put like good chemicals and be like, no, 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 we can overcome the challenge. It's going to be like, whoa, that is pain. And that is uncomfortable. And I need to freak out and panic. And it puts on the, like the freak out chemicals. And then your body just well, <laughs> freak out chemicals, cortisol. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's a stress hormone. Yeah. Cortisol, the freak out yeah. chemical. Ah, cortisol. So your body doesn't respond appropriately. And instead of being able to like rise up to the challenge, you instead just say, oh yes, that's super uncomfortable. Now it's time to slow down. Right. So they help you get comfortable with being uncomfortable and they basically help you practice that mental focus to keep going, even when you don't want to. Excellent. All right. So I like, and then to, there's those freak out chemicals. It, it <laughs> says when, when something pops up in front of me, I can respond with a rush of adrenaline where I might right. be able to like rise to the challenge rather than Fight a rush flight. of cortisol, where I'm would much rather just lay in the fetal position.
<laughs> am, I, am I missing on these chemicals? No, I mean, it's not like you get a rush of cortisol, though. That's but that's this is not, true. But that's not exactly accurate. Sure, but your cortisol levels will continuously rise if you see what's in front of you as something that is more going to hurt your body. Right. So. So anyway, let's go into some of these examples okay. of, of, of tempo runs and L5. Like what's a good way that we can incorporate this in your training? All right. So one of the earliest ways that this came into training is I think early eighties was quote unquote tempo runs. They were 20 minutes trying to find this level that was your threshold and then sustaining right around that threshold level. And at the time it was all being done in a lab and they're doing like blood tests on the athletes throughout the whole thing. You probably are not regularly blood testing yourself during your run. So what you do <laughs> is you practice what this moderate intensity is, and then you sustain that for about 20 minutes. There's a whole lot of calculators on online that you can find what your threshold pace is. You can estimate it off of different race paces um, that you can estimate what essentially your lactate threshold is. Yeah. So the 20 minute tempo is kind of the classic, right? Yes. Like that's been useful um, for you to understand what that level five, that moderate pace feels like, and just sit in it. Like that's one mm -hmm. of the reasons that this was like one of my least favorite types of runs. When I started running, I appreciate it much more now because I understand the benefits of it. But like I used to tell Kevin, like it's annoying to me because it doesn't matter how fast you go or how slow you go. You're just there for 20 minutes regardless, which is good and bad, right? Because sometimes I think that when we feel like, uh, can this thing just be over with? We tend to just try to push harder so that if we're doing, say, a two-mile tempo run, if you push a little bit harder, then you're going to finish it sooner, right? Which is, that's a benefit, right? Then you can yep. get out of that discomfort by pushing yourself harder. But that's missing the point. The point is trying to sit at that uncomfortable level and just ride there, right? And so that's why the time-based tempo runs are really helpful because it doesn't matter if you go faster. It doesn't matter if you go slower. I mean, it does kind of matter if you go slower, then you're not getting the full benefit of the workout. And again, if you go faster, you're also not getting the same benefit of the workout. So it just teaches you to kind of stay there in that discomfort and just kind of ride out the 20 minutes. Yeah. It's why the time-based tempo runs are much more useful, I think, than distance-based. Mm -hmm. If you go distance-based, people tend to try and put a finishing kick on it, just pick up the pace in the middle of it. Like I feel okay because the tempo run shouldn't feel that brutal. Yeah. It's still only level five, right. like 20 minutes at a level five should not be breaking you the same way that like, if you were trying to hold 10 minutes at level seven, mm -hmm. you're really going to be up against it. But 20 minutes at level five should not be that brutal. So 20 minutes trying to hold a, a similar pace is a good one. The other one, if you're trying to like start feeling out what that level five is, is a progression run. I like this one. If you're not quite sure what that what L5 really feels like. You kind of start at L2, you move yourself up to maybe L6 over the course of about 30 minutes. A good chunk of that time is going to be at L5. It might be a little bit under, might be a little bit over, but a good chunk of it, it may average out to around L5. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna start feeling a huge amount of these benefits even though your run wasn't necessarily like perfectly level all the way through, you may have like kind of kept climbing it, but the purpose of it is to just kind of keep getting faster. You get two benefits. One, when you're tired, you have to be going even faster at the end. And two, if you're not sure exactly what L5 is, you're going to end up spending a lot of your time there. If you start under it and you finish over it, 
you're going to spend a bunch in the middle. Yeah. And they're actually pretty fun because then it's like, this is also known as a negative split. So like you can watch your pace get faster throughout the run, which is mm-hmm. pretty rewarding and gratifying in my opinion. You know, nice. like if I feel like that makes me feel really strong to like finish faster than I started. And also when you go back and look at the stats on your Garmin, you're like, yeah, look at that. You know, like <laughs> I just kept getting faster. So progression runs or negative split runs are pretty cool too. Um, another way that I really like to incorporate tempo runs, especially if you're new to this pace and to this idea are what are called broken tempo runs. So essentially what you'll do is you'll run for a little bit like of an extended period of time. So somewhere between like five and 10 minutes, not the full 20 minutes, but somewhere between five and 10 minutes. And then you'll take a short break. So an example of this would be like five minutes at a medium pace with a one minute break in between. And you repeat that five times. Okay. So it's an interval based run, but a lot of times people think about interval runs as like harder, which we're going to talk about here um, in number three, but you can also do um, in uh, tempo runs in an interval way. You just want to put very short breaks in between. So it's enough of a mental and a little bit of a physical break. So the break is not long enough that it's really giving you a ton of physical benefits. It's really more mental benefits and just kind Mm -hmm. of like that short rest period and then go again. So like 10 minutes um, at tempo pace, a one minute break and repeat that three times. Right. You can also then get over 20 minutes at a tempo pace Mm -hmm. in a much easier fashion than just trying to actually do 30 minutes at tempo pace, which is a whole heck of a lot harder than three times, three times 10. It's also how I tricked Angie into doing tempo runs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. Yes, I did. All right. So I like to think of this level five training of essentially like parenting on a road trip. Yes, we would (laughs) all we would all like to be operating at our highest level as parents all the time, but you're going to be trapped in the car with the children for multiple hours. So you know that you can't be going hundred percent the whole time. You're going to balance this out and kind of ride that middle line, medium intensity, and it will increase your mental stamina when you're in the car with the kids <laughs> for hour upon hour. But should you only do it 20% of the time? <laughs> during the road trip no 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 80% is... of the time you're in a level 2 parent no 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 the <laughs> the road trip is like race performance it's okay. like it's when you actually show up and knock out the half oh, marathon is you're holding level 5 for longer than 20 minutes yeah. it's it's practice you have to you have to practice moderating your intensity <laughs> so do you go out and like you know practice this in the car before you jump into the 18 hour road trip with kids and a dog in a crate I really think for that Thanksgiving in Ohio, I really think an 18 hour <laughs> car ride with two kids and a dog was solid preparation for ultra marathoning. Like oh, the mental stamina that you need to just keep grinding it out hour after hour is, is critical. You're welcome. And at the end of both of them, your butt hurts. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So maybe, maybe that's why you had to stop. Cause we didn't go the full 18 hours. This is straight, true. Right? We had driven straight through. Then we would have that. Done. Yes, that was that was the issue. So maybe we just need to take a longer road trip. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> All right, let's move to, to our next level. We're talking L8. These are hard. Hard intervals, okay? So, so far, just a recap, we've talked about level two, we've talked about level five. The third 
um, effort level that you want to train at is level eight. Okay. Eight out of 10. So these are hard. Now, the mistakes that a lot of people make is that they never tap into this higher intensity work. Most runners, most endurance runners never really push themselves that hard. Okay. And so when they don't do this, a lot of times what happens is that they make slower progress or they end up plateauing because they're not training so many of the muscle fibers that are available, um, to them, like we're going to talk about here in a second, or they go too far yeah. and they don't ever hit L eight. They, they do a lot of easy running. Maybe they saw a thing online. Maybe they caught one of your reels that said, Hey, this is the glory of easy running. And then they've heard, maybe they caught another reel that running hard is good, but they go to sprint. Hmm. So it's easy and it's sprinting and it's not actually tapping into level eight, which has different benefits and much greater benefits, I think, than full-blown level like 10 out of 10 or it was 10 out of 10 and then I tried to crank it up to 11. Like that's not the training that we're talking about. This is not full all-out sprinting. It's a couple notches down from 10. Level eight, you could sustain for, for several minutes, whereas level 10, you're not sustaining for several minutes at all. Right. So- Part of level eight that you need to remember is that it's essentially short bouts of hard running followed by a recovery period. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the key here is that you need recovery, number one. And number two, you need those longer periods of recovery because the effort is harder. Like recovery is really, really good for you. And this is where one of the reasons that a lot of people don't want to do this type of work or do this work incorrectly because they don't want to take that longer recovery because they think they're not being productive, right? Like they don't like a lot. An example of this would be like running one minute hard, then taking a one minute walking break or two minute walking Mm -hmm. break, even right. Depending on how hard you're going. And so runners look at that and they're like, well, I'm only spending eight minutes running at a hard level. And like, I'm spending eight minutes walking and and they're, they're looking at that as not being productive, but when you're pushing yourself to a level eight, to this hard effort level, it is absolutely imperative that you allow your body and your muscles to recover so that you can then hit that high intensity again, because essentially what happens is you hit that high intensity, you kind of drain your muscles of energy and of blood and of all the things. And then you need the recovery to allow those tissues to build back up to baseline so that you can then hit that hard intensity again. And when you try to hit that before recovering all the way, you never, you know, actually gain the full benefits of the activity. Right. It still feels really hard, but your speed and this one, I know we're talking all on effort level, but if you kind of start looking at the clock a little bit off of this guy, maybe you do say like 400 meter repeats, quarter mile repeats. You do the first one in two minutes, pick a nice, easy number. We'll do the first one in two minutes and you're pushing really, really hard. And then you do the next one without recovering fully and you do the next one in 210 and you do the next one in 220. You're slowing down. You're like, I'm still pushing really hard, but you're not getting the recovery enough of this. So you're no longer quite getting that same physical stimulus because you're not able to push to that same uh, speed that you were getting before. If the benefit of running fast is actually running fast, if you're trying to do it on super tired legs because you're like, ah, the walking in between means that I'm not working hard enough for it. No, no, no. The walking in between allows you to work really hard during the time period where you're supposed to work really hard. Like I, I get this experience coaching track. The sprinters will sprint for 20 seconds 
10 seconds. And then they get like five minutes of walking around and doing some running drills. Mm -hmm. Like it's a huge amount of recovery time because the intensity is so high during the actual effort level. Mm -hmm. Distance runners are like, no, no, no. I'll just, I'll jog the recovery for like 30 seconds. Then I'll push pretty good again. You're not pushing hard enough on that part. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, then you're pushing more to like a level five or a level six. Yes. If you're doing like jogging the recovery. Um, but these harder intensities, you should be like walking or just standing around and resting. So how do you know if you're at a level eight, um, your breathing is hard. And as far as talking, you don't want to talk. Okay. Like that's how you know that you're at a level eight. And there are a lot of benefits of level eight. A lot of times people ask us like, I'm a distance runner. Why would I be doing, you know, quarter mile repeats or 200 meter sprints? Like that doesn't make sense. I'm training for a half marathon, but even if you're training for distances that are longer, there is still benefits of incorporating this a little bit in your training. Okay. And again, when we talk at the beginning about you, your body, your goals, it depends on what race you're training for. When you look at the ratios and how much of each thing to incorporate into your training, right? Yeah, like if you are training for a half marathon or marathon, you don't need a lot of LA, but you still need a little bit, right? Because it basically helps to build your anaerobic capacity, right? We talked a lot about aerobic capacity with L2. L8 really helps to build your anaerobic capacity capacity and your other energy conversion pathways in the body. It also helps to activate more fast twitch muscle fibers in your body, right? There are fast twitch and there are slow twitch. So it's good to activate just more muscles in general. You want to make your body more fatigue resistance. That that is going to help improve your endurance. You can also, when you do level eight, you improve muscle recruitment. So that means that when you are firing, when your brain is sending that message down to your muscles to fire, instead of recruiting just maybe, and I'm just making these numbers up, but <laughs> these are not exact numbers, obviously, but instead of just recruiting 10 muscle fibers, when you do L8, you're like those muscle fibers are all bringing their friends. So instead of 10, maybe you're now recruiting 50 or a hundred muscle fibers that are all firing at the same time. So you're getting more muscle fibers active, which is going to increase your power. And when you do that during L8, that those muscles are now activated and they can kind of help you out more when you're doing your longer, slower runs. Yeah. Increasing your power is always a good thing. Even if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm training for a marathon. It's going to take me four hours to do this thing. I don't need the kind of workouts where I'm pushing hard for 30 seconds for 45 seconds. You are, you're going to gain benefits. You're going to gain efficiency in your running form. Right. You're going to increase your overall power output. If you can increase the level of your power output, when you're not running that hard, you're, you're running at say like 20% of your maximum power, you're still able to put out more power at 20% because you increased your ceiling. Mm -hmm. The higher the ceiling is, then when you're running at an easy 20% of a taller ceiling is still greater power and that's greater speed and that's faster racing. Right. And so when you also, when you recruit more muscle fibers, that helps to make running more efficient because now you have more friends doing the same job. Okay. So imagine that you're trying to lift up a couch and you are just trying to lift it up by yourself or even just you and one other person. If you recruit a couple more people to come help you, it's going to be much easier for you to move that piece of furniture. Right. And that's really what muscle recruitment does is it makes running more efficient, um, both in the number of muscle fibers that you recruit and also in your running form. Okay. When you are running at a level eight, 
you have no room for wasted motion and wasted no, energy, no, right? Like there are a lot of people that have very inefficient running forms and that their, their arms are swinging all over the place, their heads bopping all over the place. And when you're running fast, you just, you can't be swinging your arms all over, right? They have to be more streamlined. And so when you hit these higher intensity levels, it automatically makes you a more efficient runner and naturally improves your running form. Right. So there are still maybe a few things because there are some incredibly talented people around the world who have a little bit of like what looks like hiccups in their running form, Mm -hmm. but they've practiced so much at these higher running intensities that their body has now determined that that is the more efficient way of running. So even if you're looking Mm -hmm. at the arm carriage of like some pro athlete and you're like, well, it seems like their left arm swings slightly to the side. They've practice so much that their bodies now determined that that is by far the most efficient way to run. So trying to change it would no longer be a thing, but they only got there by putting so much time and effort in at these higher paces. Otherwise that's just going to be super inefficient. Right. So let's talk about some examples of higher intensity L8 types of runs. All right. So in tempo runs, we were talking about most things are going to be time-based and you gave an example of this one that was time-based go hard for a minute and then walk for a minute. Or if you want to do a jogging version of it, I like to do a high intensity that includes a jog, but my recovery, instead of being go hard for a minute, walk for a minute is go hard for a minute, jog for three. Mm -hmm. Like it takes me a lot longer to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm jogging and it's, it's a, it's a slog for the opening minute of it. And then I start feeling almost normal during the second. And then Mm -hmm. I start feeling recovered during the third. So when I go again, I'm able to actually push again. Yeah. Otherwise I, I, I like to walk on the recovery of these guys from like a mileage perspective. You could do quarter mile repeats, half mile repeats for European friends, kilometer repeats. These are all good, relatively short intervals, something that you're going to be able to sustain depending on your speed, probably for what, three minutes max. Well, and, yeah. And you, I think when you're getting into like half, half mile and kilometer repeats, you're starting to kind of get into that gray area Sure. because I don't think you like most people don't do L8 for that long of a time. Like you can, but it's not pleasant. It's, it's not pleasant. <laughs> so, it's quite the challenge. Like, it's think, more of a time trial. At yeah. That point. I think it's more like those are, I think of those more as like a level seven. Um, but th- again, that's getting into like a lot of different nuance and detail, right? Cause there's going to be a lot of different types of runs that we didn't talk about today. You know, we didn't get into like steady state runs. We didn't get into 5k, 10k pace runs because we really wanted to stick to the core here of like level two, level five, level eight, because if you guys can nail down getting these incorporated into your training plan on a regular basis, you're going to see massive benefits in your running. Right. So if you're looking at distances here, um, there's something that you could sustain for one to two minutes. So find, depending on how fast you're running, when you you feel like you're pushing, you're not pushing all out, but you're pushing really hard. If you'd like to go distance-based instead of time-based, figure out what distance you could sustain for around a minute. Mm-hmm. And then that's roughly the interval that you're going for. It's okay if it's a little bit over, a little bit under, you know, somewhere in that one to two minute ballpark, that's roughly the the range you're looking for. That's why I like quarter mile repeats at this level. Right. So, you know, one thing that we can kind of relate this to of like why L8 is important is, is lighter fluid. Like, you know, like let's, let's use a, a random metaphor. 
lighter fluid is one of those things that you use to start the fire, right? It burns, but it doesn't sustain the fire. Like it can, you use it to kind of get it going, just like speed can kind of help kick you off of a plateau. So if you're finding that you are not making good progress in your running and you're kind of plateaued there, adding in some higher end speed work can really help to kind of move things around in the body and kind of get you, get you going in a different direction. Yeah. But no one's going to sit around and roast marshmallows over a fire made out of lighter fluid and kindling. Like that seems dangerous. So if you've already been incorporating some higher speed and you're like, Oh, they're suggesting I should put some more speed into it. No, remember the 80, 20, 20% of your running at this higher level. And that includes L5 and L8. Okay. Otherwise you're looking at, well, there's already a nice fire. Maybe we should spray some lighter fluid on it. That's an injury waiting to happen. Please don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. Like, so yeah, use L8, but use it sparingly, just like Mm -hmm. lighter fluid, just like lighter fluid. (laughs) Okay. Um, so what are like the exact ratios you should be using for all of these things? there that's too much for us to go into today you know so if you guys want guidance on that on how to build a training plan that's right for you you're going to want to come join us inside the real life runners training academy because we teach you exactly how to do this we teach you how to incorporate all of these different types of runs into a comprehensive plan so that that will help you to achieve whatever goal it is that you're chasing, right? Because there's just, there's a lot of ways that you can start to put all these things together. Yeah. I mean, you covered some of the things we never even talked about of specific paced runs and steady state. There's all, I mean, we covered L two, five, and eight. There's, there's more numbers between one and 10 last I checked. Yeah. There's a lot more there. So, but as a general rule, 80% of your runs at a level two, 20% of your runs at the higher effort level is a really good place for you to start. If you want to start kind of designing this on your own without help. Excellent. All right. So guys, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do hit that subscribe or that follow button, share this podcast with a friend because we love to help other runners understand better ways to train, feel better when, when they're out there running and get better results. You know, we want to help as many people as you can. So by you sharing, um, and also leaving a review on whatever podcast player you enjoy, um, whether you're watching us on YouTube and you can like this video or share this video. If you're listening to us on iTunes, on Spotify, you can leave us a review. And those reviews really do help other people to find the show. And I love hearing about, you know, new followers on Instagram that told me they just found the podcast when they did a search for running podcasts, right? Because if you go into a podcast player and you type in running or runner, it's going to show you some of the more popular podcasts. And they determine that based on the number of downloads, based on the reviews, based on the ratings. Okay. So when you rate and review and download the podcast, that is you helping us to spread the podcast to new people. It's super exciting when I search we pop up on there. Yeah. So thank you guys. If you've done that already, thank you. And if you haven't, please do. Um, We appreciate it so much. And if you want a real life runner sticker, if you haven't gotten one yet, send me an email, Angie at realliferunners.com with a screenshot of this episode, or reach out to me on Instagram at real life runners and request a sticker. And I will be happy to mail you a real life runner sticker that you can put on your water bottle or your laptop or wherever you want to put it. She's not kidding. We just mailed some out this afternoon. I did. I did. So, um, as always guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the real life runners podcast episode number 200 and 59. Now get out there and run your life.